Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. Then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else, and it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash. And they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights, you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back. No questions asked. So head to BowlinBranch.com for 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Love Star. Of the Star. The Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus, who is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. Uh, Brian, good Wednesday morning to you. Uh, We've got a chance to kind of settle from the fog of what was an absolutely brutal loss. And honestly, I think we spent a lot of time just talking about, um, you know, the implications of Dak Prescott's injury and everything else related to that. Um, so now that we've gotten a chance to kind of stop down, look back and, and get some takeaways about what we saw from this team, let's talk about what we saw from them and what needs to be corrected moving forward here, uh, heading into this game against the Bengals. Uh, your, your initial takeaway, whether it be, man, something was a lot better than I initially thought or something was a lot worse than I thought after going back and getting a chance to watch the tape. Yeah, you know, the, the things that you find out when you watch the tape, and that's the that's the best thing you could do. And I encourage folks, if you have the ability to go get the All-22 from NFL.com, I'm not doing this as an ad or it's more of a public service. You sure. know, you don't have to be a, a former NFL scout to go back and watch the tape. And you could see, you could, you know, you see it right there. And I think it's a great service that the NFL provides. It is a, you know, it does cost you, but you know, if you want to really learn about what's going on in the game, I think it helps you a ton. And you know, when you go back and, and you watch there, there are some positive things that were, that I took from, I, I loved, um, 
I love the way that that Tyler Smith played. You know, I know going in the game, there was so much worry about him. How was he going to hold up with no reps at left tackle? No, I think he held up just fine. There, yeah. there was a couple of you know a couple of communication problems. You know, you didn't expect to lose McGovern during that game. Um, you know, so all of a sudden you got Farniak in there. You got two really young guys over on the left side, and you know, towards the end of the game, it got a little rough for Farniak when it just turned into throwing every single down. But I was encouraged by the way the Cowboys ran the football offensively. I, I really, really was, and and you know, it wasn't. It wasn't Ezekiel Elliott ripping off long runs. It was it was some steady progress with him running the football. It was you know five yards, seven yards, and, and the things that were disappointing to me were again the pre-stat penalties were bad because it puts you in some situations where you'd have a positive play. Say you had a seven-yard Zeke run, and you know, you're in a second and three, and you're thinking, well, hell, run it again, you know that kind of thing. But then. Uh, you know, Terrence Steele, who we've talked about, and I'm not going to pile on Terrence Steele because you know my feelings about uh, Terrence Steele and what he's done at right tackle. And I felt like they needed to upgrade there. And we'll probably get into that, as you mentioned later in the show. But, you know, I was, you know, it, it's it's a you get a false start pilling. Now it's back to, uh, it's back to second and eight, and then they have to throw twice, and then they're off the field, you know, where – you probably could have kept some momentum going, you know, maybe running the football, maybe coming up with another play. Um, I, I think the the separation numbers that we talked about on on the station yesterday when you came on your segment, uh, you know, and where uh, Noah Brown was, Simi Fajoko, uh, you know, with Lamb, I think that was an issue with, you know, it, 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 you know, you fit, you think with maybe with two yards of separation or two and a half yards of separation that you'd be able to find ways to get the ball to the receivers that you need to. But, uh, you know, the two guys with the best separation in, in the in the game were Simi and, and Brown, and those are two guys that had really good training camps. Yeah. You know, so you know you, th- that was positive to me that the fact that those guys were able to separate, you're worried about them going out and, and having a good training camp and then all, cut, all of a sudden just spit the bit and not be any good in the game. So if they're separating against uh, those corners for Tampa Bay, uh, you know, that I think that's a good sign going forward. But, you know, your, your quarterback just wasn't good enough in that game. And, you know, he started off well, too. The, the third down throws he made, yeah. there were some tough clutch throws. And then you kind of just – he fell apart as it wore on. The interception was really, really bad. Um, you know, just from the aspect of he went from one read – down the middle of the field that wasn't there to a read that was just god awful and you know what made him do that i don't know and sometimes you play teams that make you play desperate and when you and i were talking about this on monday it was you know it was like the 12 to the three lead seemed like it was 100 to three yeah and maybe that's what happened with dak with with him having to force the ball and stuff but there just wasn't much to go on the offense. I think defensively, Bobby, I'm not going to lie. I, I was concerned about some of the things that were happening in the running game uh, against the Cowboys. Uh, you know, there was uh, points in time in this game where they figured out, and we talked about this, they figured out to pick on digs a little bit. But there was times where, where you know, Dorrance Armstrong was blocked on the edge. Van Der Esch was blocked inside. Diggs was blocked. I mean, they had three guys just locked up on that edge and then you know Leonard Fournette not getting touched you know until he's three four yards down the field you know averaging six yards a carry you know that's not good you know that's not good and you know and and 
Fortunately for the Cowboys, Micah Parsons played big in the red zone, and they were able to get some. And, and speaking of Micah Parsons, they move him around. Uh, you know, they start initially r- rushing against Wirfs. That that didn't work. Let's move him to the middle. Let's see if we can have something there. We talked about that as being a positive. And then they figured out, you know, when Smith, you know, after one of his sacks, Smith, the tackle, gets hurt. And now they're, you know, the uh, Wells at left tackle, and that kind of helped him along the way too. So it's unfortunate, you know, I felt like that they kind of held Tom Brady, you know, numbers-wise. It wasn't one of those, you know, 383-yard games for Tom Brady. It was, you know, he hit some passes, but they also, you know, found a way to kind of pressure him a little bit. And, uh, you know, those are the, the positive things that you take out of that. But I do have some concerns about the the, the little bit about the run defense but when it comes to, uh, you know, not so much what's going on inside, but what's going on on the edge and are more teams going to try. And Cincinnati, as we get into them this week, uh, Cincinnati's going to try with Mixon. They're going to try and get the ball on the outside, you know, and and because uh, I was watching their game against Pittsburgh last night getting ready for the week. Jumping back to the offensive side of the ball real quick, were things – Better when, when you got a chance to look at the tape, did things look better to you or worse for you for CD Lamb? I know we had some discussion about how much was on Lamb, how much was on Dak, and things like did, uh, What did you think about CD Lamb's performance? I felt like watching him that there were things that he, when you watch the, the fight for the ball, and it was almost like he wasn't sure at times to when to go get it and when to. Uh, you know, and when to allow it to get to him. I mean, there were some, you know, there were some contested plays and stuff. We, we mentioned that the separation distance was roughly about two yards on his routes, The you know, the targets that he had. But, man, the ball placement was not great for him. But right. there, there's also ball placement, and then there's also you're an NFL receiver. You know, we talk about catch radius when you watch us, uh, when we visit about the draft, and we say, boy, big catch radius, that – Drake London from USC, big catch radius. You know, you talk about guys like that. And CD's catch radius needs to be a little bit better. It needs to be a little bit uh, more extensive. I, I mean, you're not going to be able to throw every every single pass perfect. But, you know, you got to figure out a way to, when the ball comes to you, be able to, to, to track it down. Whether it's a little bit behind you, a little bit low, a little bit high, wherever that ball is – if you're a top-flight receiver in the National Football League, not every pass is going to be chest high at your numbers and you running to go catch it. So the, the film showed me that, that the catch radius for CD in this game wasn't as extensive as it needs to be going forward. When you talk about his need to go fight for the football and go make a play on the ball, and it didn't, it didn't feel like he always knew which time to go fight for the ball, which time to just you know let the ball come to him or, or whatever else – um, is that something you've seen consistently from him, or was that was this performance out of character for him? I thought it was a little bit out of character for him because I've always felt like that he was a guy that would go get it. And, you know, in this game, there was – even with, you know, when he had to make the contested plays, it, it just wasn't good body position, and it was like he was – it was like he was fighting it a little bit, Bobby. And I, And I mean, fighting it in a way like, do I – body catch this do I extend for it It, it, like he got caught in between a couple of times on where he needed to have his hands and it wasn't the cleanest game for Dak throwing the ball we all know that sure 
but but it just seemed like that CD didn't have his hands where he needed to have his hands, and you know that that is something that I don't remember seeing much of CD. I mean, he's had some drops, and you remember last year in this game, he had that he had some bad drops early in the game, and then came back, and at the in the in the second half was just magical the way he was playing. Yeah. And you kind of felt like, okay, he's going to have – it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Felt like it was kind of rough for him the whole game. I mean, he had that early catch. It was a big catch, he drew, you know, across the middle. The push off, he, he had no – no. You know, he, he, there's no reason to push off there. He's got the route. He's got the corner. You know, he's got the corner beat. I mean, Dak's coming to him with the ball. And there's no need for him to shove that – you know, to shove the corner. I mean, he, he's just got to – he's just got to run his route, plant, come back to the ball. He's going to be open. You know, it, I mean, that's how he set it up. And you know, it, it was just a really, really bad day at the office for him. Just from a, a, a period of confidence or a lack of hand positioning where it needed to be. And then also, then, like I said, the, the big penalty that, that wiped out a, a, a big catch for him. Sounded like there were some guys on the defensive side that disappointed you a little bit more when you got a chance to go back and watch the film. Did anybody stand out to you as, hey, I thought this was a better performance, whether it be, and I don't know how you felt about this guy, but whether it be like, you know, oh, a Quentin Bohanna maybe looked better than I was expecting based on the first look, or, oh, okay, um, you know, we got some better play out of Anthony Brown than it looked on the broadcast initially. Anybody stand out as somebody who, who looked better when you got a chance to watch the tape? Yeah, I felt like those defensive tackles, and and I, I'm not going to include Bohanna in that sure. one. Sure, yeah, just I'm going to say, it's, it, yeah, I knew you knew just using the name. I, I'm going to say that I was I was really impressed with with Osa, and I was really really impressed with what was going on with Tristan Hill. I mean, I, the, the couple of the sacks that that um, that uh, they were able to get uh, with Parsons, Bohanna, excuse me, uh, Osa was free. Could have been there for one. You know, could have been a sack for him. And then Tristan Hill, uh, you know, on the second sack when when uh, when Smith got hurt, it was it was Hill that was busting through the middle that rammed into to Smith and and you know hyperextended his elbow. So you know that they were they were they were playing free in the middle. Uh, they did a good job of playing the run too. You know that that was something I I, I was impressed with. With their, I was impressed with with Wilson at safety once they lost Curse. You know, the interception was a really, really good design. I mean, Wilson was in the uh, A-gap opposite of where he ended up. And when I mean the A-gap, he's between the center and the guard, uh, you know, to his left. And where he ended up was really uh, at the linebacker position on the right side to get the interception. So they basically uh, baited Brady into making that throw inside and, you know, by the drop and all that. So, you know, there were some there were some good design – to hold Tampa to 19 points, all those field goals and stuff, man, you got to win a game like that. You got to yeah. figure out a way to got to figure out, you know, and you get that turnover at midfield and when you get another three yards and have to punt, you know, I mean that, that I know you're saying positivity on defense that that turnover was big because you actually tricked Tom Brady into throwing that football Yep, and he threw it right to you and you get a turnover at midfield and you know, the game is still kind of, there for you to kind of get back in, maybe make it a nine point game or something like that. And you just don't get it done. So that, that part of it was disappointing, but I could say uh, the inside the the two tackles, uh, I felt like, you know, Parsons, of course, we've talked about him a bunch. 
And then, you know, with Wilson at safety, we'll see how how they replace Curse. I also was impressed with Malik Hooker, by the way. Oh, good. Um, Malik Hooker on that free safety play, you know, they had the ball that went down what would have been the right sideline for the Cowboys. And, you know, Diggs was in coverage. Yeah, the, the throw to Perryman, he made a – yeah, he came Hooker, far. Hooker, it, it looked just like – it just looked like when I saw him at Ohio State, and I know the folks that listen to our radio show on 105.3 or listen to me on Cowboys uh, break, uh, I was talking about Malik Hooker as a guy who just, you know, he finally, I mean, you feel like, oh, wow, there it is. There's that range you saw at Ohio State. That was one of the most impressive things when you watched him coming out was his ability to stand in the middle of the field with those really wide college hashes and they get from sideline to sidelines and knock plays down, knock balls down and stuff like that. So really good good thing for Hooker there uh, playing this free. And in that maybe we'll free up Wilson, you know, for that curse role that they're going to need that Dan Quinn's talked about before. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we talk about this football team and some of the injuries that they're dealing with, I want to talk to you about some happy news and that's Boomer Jacks. Boomer Jacks is always going to be there for you, listeners. Uh, you can cool off with cool drink specials and affordable food anytime at Boomer Jacks. It is a great space, something for the whole family or your group of friends. So if you're just looking for a, a nice happy hour spot for you and your coworkers, or you're looking for a, a spot to watch the game with your guys, uh, or, or you're just looking for a great spot for your family to go hit up during the week and and get some dinner and 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 have some fun, Boomer Jacks is the spot. Cool off with cold drink specials starting at $3. They have wall-to-wall TVs. There's live music and more. Everybody will be happy. Whatever kind of social environment you're looking for, Boomer Jacks is there to provide it. And they have 17 DFW locations, so there's one right near you. I promise. Wherever you're at in the Metroplex, there is one near you. You can find your Boomer Jacks location at boomerjacks.com. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, Brian, uh, that's a little bit of a reflection on some of the performances that we saw. Uh, Let's look ahead now to how the Cowboys respond to some of these injuries that they have and a little bit of a a, a status update on one of them. The first one, the biggest one, obviously, Dak Prescott. When we first talked about this the other day, we were talking about six to eight weeks, probably back around the bye week, maybe just after against Green Bay. Now the report and then what Jerry Jones is talking about is is four to six weeks, and I'm not saying that's impossible. That that certainly could be the what we see from this is that Dak is back after just missing four to six weeks. But I don't know about you, Brian. I've just gotten to the point where I my position is when the Cowboys' lips are moving about injuries, they are lying, and so I I just can't trust anything they say. And so, despite four to six, I'm going to assume six to eight until I see four to six. Yeah, I think that we've all learned our lesson about that. Um, there's folks you talk to that are accurate, and then the, the ones that are up there in front of the, uh, the the crowd on the podium and all that. Um, you know, the report I was getting, and it, it's I think it's accurate. I, this one I do think it's accurate because you know when you start to talk about the repair and all that, you know, I mean, honestly, it was they were going. Listen, this thing could be anywhere from four to eight, and that's. That's where, and I'm like, and you know, you kind of get the four to eight in the LOL kind of a thing because you're you're trying to figure out if it's four to six or six to eight, and you're really they're saying no, this could be four to eight, and you're thinking four to eight, and but they go the reason why it's going to be all about the flexibility. Okay, first off, the, the surgery has to heal, the break has to heal. Sure. Okay, once the break heals. Then it turns into, okay, is there rotation or is there movement flexibility in the thumb? Okay, we got that. Now, the next thing that you, you, know, you look at is, okay, where's the grip strength? That's, the, that's the, the last thing. So they've got the break fixed. Okay, now they need it to heal. The next thing they're going to work on, though, is, okay, taking him out of that uh, and, and, you know, taking him out of his uh, that cast or whatever he's in, the brace that he's in, and then working it every day to move, you know, move along. And now they're getting it to rotate. And now, okay, well, now hold the football. And let's throw – a real key thing here is by them not putting him on IR, he could go practice. Yeah. So they could take him out on the field and they could work him in drills and stuff like that. I mean, we're probably not going to be privy to any of this. But they could take him uh, and go and work. He's still on the active roster and is treated as such. So if you're on the active roster and he could say it, it's come along swell, they could put him in practice. They could let him throw drills in practice, and that's how they determine. Much like what they're doing with uh, with uh, with Michael Gallup, you know, you just you put Michael Gallup out there, you let him run routes and stuff like that, is being part of the active roster. So. It's key they didn't put him on the injured list uh, to be missed those times because if they did, they wouldn't have the availability to test the you know test him as uh, as they need as the as the injury heals. And it sounds like now initially the discussion was they were going to go out there they were going to try and find a third quarterback. That does not sound like the plan now. Sounds like they they they're just going to hold on to Dak and roll with Rush and Greer right now. Rush starting. 
Um, as we talk about contingencies and plans moving forward, does this become a pretty run-heavy offense, do you think? Or, yeah, or is this one I of these things so. where Rush has some 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 gotten in plenty of work with, you know, Simi Fajoko and Dennis Houston and some of these guys. So do they give him a shot to, to make something happen? Yeah, I think the one thing, and I, I said this on 105.3 The Fan yesterday uh, uh, about it, that, you know, Gavin Dawson, my co-host, was talking about, you know, he was coming into the season thinking you to help Dak, you run the football. I think they ran the ball well enough. They just, did they go away from it a little bit? Man, maybe so. But you know, I would have kept going. I would have kept trying to just, and you know, because you were having success with Zeke, you know, five and a half yards of carry, I think is a great start for Zeke, uh, you know, running the football. And you could have mixed in Pollard on some of that too and, and got some, you know, productive runs. But yeah, I think with Cooper Rush, it's going to be not totally 100% run heavy, probably a little bit more, probably a little bit more lean on these offensive linemen a little bit and, and you know, and, and try and help them and pass protection as much as they can. You know, it, it was, uh, they did a good enough job the other night as a unit, go for it again, see what you got. So um, I, I think that's going to be the case, but you're right about Rush working with some of these other receivers. You look with, Look what Noah Brown was able to do. You know, look what Simi Fajoko was able to do in training camp. You know, a lot of that was, yeah, sure, a lot of it was Dak, but a lot of it was, you know, Cooper Rush throwing the football as well. And so I, I'm, you know, I, I think that to me, I would personally start Will Greer just because I think you could probably do more of the offense. But but Cooper Rush won't be a bad option for them right now either. They, you know, as long as they play good defense, you know, we, it, Brett Maher, if he can – keep making field goals. You got a punter that, you know, averages, you know, over 45, 46 yards a punt, you know, just limit mistakes and try and run the football. And, and, you know, maybe it's more like what they did in 2014, you know, with Romo and that I'm using that as a, you know, with, with, uh, with DeMarco Murray, you know, how effective they were running the ball and setting up other things and, you know, and, and go along that way. But the one thing I don't, I would not do, I'm not interested in protecting Cooper Rush. And I mean protecting him like just being a total conservative game yeah, plan. Yeah, kick gloves, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, I mean, he has won an NFL game for you. Don't just go into a shell and, and try and play offense. I mean, we've seen, you know, put it all on the defense. The defense is good enough to hold up. But, man, don't just, you know, if you can if you could take some shots down the field, you get protection, take some shots. But what they have to do, they have to make sure, though, They've got to make sure that Cooper Rush processes quicker. There's too many times where Cooper Rush will hold the football. And you're playing against some teams down here that that they're not going to let you hold the football. So you have to be sure that things you do, make sure the reads are quick for him, make sure the ball gets out, and you know, help him along that way. Don't make him hold, 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 because he's not the most mobile. He's He's got some athletic ability, but don't make him hold the ball, hold the ball, because he – he will get sacked. The other guy on offense that we're, we're wondering about, high ankle sprain for Connor McGovern, like we talked about on Monday. The plan right now to replace him appears to be Matt Forniak there at left guard. Um, that was a guy that when he was coming out, um, Cowboys were really impressed with his athleticism, his ability to, to kind of play all five spots. But uh, I know that they also feel like guard is where he's probably best. Um, and, and so... They, there's some optimism there about Farniak, but uh, if things struggle there, 
you've got Jason Peters here, and you can kind of change some things around on the offensive line. And Jerry seemed to talk about Jason Peters playing right tackle, which I know something that you and I had discussed. We, we felt like at this stage of his career, probably not much of a right side player, but Jerry seems to have some confidence. We'll go into locker, talk about that today. Do you think that's a little bit of classic Jerry optimism, or, or do you think that's a genuine option for them? The one deficiency that I saw with Jason Peters was the inside cutoff block in the running game at left tackle. That's the only real detriment that I saw when I watched his tape of the three games, San Francisco, Green Bay, and the Giants. The ball, when it's going away from him to the inside, is tough for him. He just doesn't have the foot quickness that he once had. You know, he's a massive guy. To his credit, I've been working over at the Star every single day. And when I leave the facility, I, I look out on the practice field walking out, and he and Britt Brown are over there working to get ready. So, to me, that's that's a positive sign. Now, if you put him at right tackle, they'll tell you. It's different footwork. It's different hand placement. You play with your eyes differently. All those things are – but it's stuff he's done before. Now, if you're going to play him in the running game and you're going to run behind him on the right side, well, now he's not having to make the cutoff blocks. There's no problem when you run behind him and he's coming off the ball and using that mass and strength and power to get into the guy and then push. So the only detriment would be, okay, how is he going to play right tackle as a pass protector? I think as a run blocker, I think he'll be fine because – you know, you'll just he'll just you run behind him, he'll get into his guy and he'll push. And you don't have to worry about the backside cutoffs and stuff like that, unless it's going the other way. But most teams are right-handed the way they run the football. So, you know, that would not be a problem. The problem would be he's played in a left left-handed stance the majority of his career. Now you're asking him to play basically in a right-handed stance. He did it in I think 2006 was the last time we've seen him do it. But, man, there's a side of me that might play him on the left side where he's most comfortable and put Tyler Smith over there on that right side and let him go at it. Because Tyler Smith looks to me like you could put him anywhere and he'll be comfortable playing, at least through one week of the season. I was very, very impressed by that. And really quickly on Tyler Smith, because I know you mentioned how impressed you were with him at the start of the show. And, you know, I think everybody's looking for a little bit of optimism to lean on. Um, he was he was the biggest question going in. Yeah, and he wasn't when your you, problem. When you start talking when you start talking about biggest questions you worry about, uh, you know, before the game, I guarantee you seventy five percent of them were Tyler Smith questions. So yeah, I, he he held up fine. It's a shame that your quarterback became ninety percent of the questions. You know that you didn't expect. Now, when, and when you look at Tyler Smith and you come out of that game, do you feel like? You know, I, I know you already had I would, of I know I'd do, 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 do you have an increased amount him. of confidence to say that yeah. guy has the potential to be a Pro Bowl left tackle? I, I have – you know what? I mean, I don't know how you could judge a guy in one game. I think it was a great start. I mean, you, you're going to get one motion penalty and maybe one – you know, we need to figure out what, where the, the bust was. He came down on that sack that was a free-run sack on Dak. You know, it looked like he slid down him and Farniak. I mean, maybe if – Maybe if McGovern's in there, there's not that communication problem. You know, maybe he missed a call. You know that that. But when you when you talk about going out there and playing, at, at, you know, he, and he played that game at a high level, he yeah. really really did. You know, and Pro Bowl tackles, you, you, 
Pro Bowl tackles are guys that learn how to hold, trip, and clip, you know? <laughs> and when he learns how to hold, trip, and clip, then he's going to be just fine. But he's not the he's not your problem. And, and I've said that a bunch. That right tackle is your problem. And you got to figure that out. You know, you got to figure that out. And if moving him over there gives you him, uh, gives you uh, Smith and Martin on that right side, and you're just pounding people over there running the ball, and you guys got like Ferguson over there blocking, you know, you, you could do some good running the football. You could do some good. But man, I, I, Peters to me is a left tackle. I would just put him at left tackle and move Smith. But he's a young guy. I mean, he, he's you know, and you hope it's not one of those things where you move to right tackle and it, it turns into like, uh oh, now he's got to think everything. I, I I think he's a young guy. I think he adapts well. I think he's got the right demeanor. So I said earlier I wouldn't move him, but to get Peters on the field and get uh, and get Steele off, I'm sure I would sure consider it. Do you think that's part of what this ramp up might be about for Peters? is just spending three weeks getting him ready to just, like, get used to the right side? Uh, you know, I haven't seen him practice, so I don't know that. Now, I'll tell you this. Yeah, yeah, a- asking uh, you to recklessly speculate, mainly. I know, but I – okay, there's a side of me. What if you What if you said, you know, you saw some good things with Farniak uh, – excuse me, with uh, Willetsko. Yep. What if you put Willetsko at right tackle – and then you put Smith at left guard, and then you put uh, Peters at left tackle. I, how, maybe, how ready is Willetsko is the question. no training camp practice and played a whole damn game in yeah, the preseason. And, looked good. Preseason, and he looked better than ball playing. Yeah, yeah he's, so, a, he's a big guy, too, and, and a lot of times guys with that kind of frame, I know offensive line coaches generally yeah. like them being right tackles. Yeah, so I, I think you got options there, but – you know, my maybe the bet, like I say, if you want to get some power out there, you know, and especially on the right side, put Smith at right tackle, put Peters at left tackle, and if you love Farniak playing guard, you know, by all means, go that route and and get Willetsko ready to be, you know, and if if all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe maybe now we can get maybe you know we can replace Farniak, okay, move Smith. I mean, I know you're moving Smith, but. Damn, that kid's got the right demeanor to play football. Yeah. He really, really does. Now, on the other side of the ball, defense, really quickly, just to wrap up this segment, um, you look at the the injuries they've got there. Terrell Basham, uh, a guy with eye contusion, he's, yeah. I'm guessing, probably back quicker than any of the other three that we're, we're going to discuss here. Um, yeah. But but what's that? Is that, to you, going to be time for Sam Williams to, to take on some more to, to get ready quicker than maybe they were expecting. Yeah, Sam wasn't great in the game the other day. No, uh, you know, and that's 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 a concern right there. Um, but you know, hey, play him. Keep you know, keep just keep playing the kids. I mean, I, I don't have no problem. But they're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes, and you know, you just hope it doesn't cost you a game or or a big run on the outside or something like that. I think that was a very eye opening experience for Sam Williams in that game the other day. Um, Real quick, like you said, okay, how do you – you're going to get Cooper Rush. You're going to get him probably on the active roster, right? Yep. Is what we're have looking to, at. Have to. You're going to have to move on from somebody here. Or, or are you putting – are you putting Basham on that injured list for four weeks with the thigh contusion? Uh, you're you're going to need a roster spot, am I right? Sure, yeah. Or, or I mean, uh, yeah, because you've got to – you've got plenty of defensive bodies to sacrifice. So, him – um, maybe you come up with some sort of an injury for John Ridgeway. 
Um, yeah. Uh, or we've, I know we talked about it. You got to make some decision potentially on Harper or Gifford. Those, those guys were probably yeah. man 53. So maybe, maybe that's where your uh, move comes from. Well, you know, I could say, you know, Gifford, I saw make plays. I saw him make a tackle. We'll see what the Harper, I don't think they want to move on from him, but you know, they've got it. They've got to create a spot then for, for Cooper rush. So I'm just trying to look at some options and maybe I know that, uh, I know that curse is what they're saying. Two to four on that yep. one with the knee. MCL sprain. And yeah, so. Yeah, yeah and, I, and, I, and, and and that obviously the bigger question there, Dan Quinn talked about that's a significant loss for them. That's their quarterback. That's their that's guy. Their quarterback. Green that's right. their guy calling things. Sounds like Mukwamu and Bell kind of tandem, like replacing uh, J. Ron Curse is, is the plan right now for the Cowboys, which Bell makes some sense. Mukwamu's interesting. Mukwamu's got the same frame as Curse, but I feel like Mukwamu isn't necessarily the same style of player the way Bell is. No, and you know if you're going to play that down position, and McQuamu showed some guts playing there. You know there were a couple of times he's not comfortable playing that linebacker guy, but he did read quickly. I believe in the in that game it was uh, the Chargers was really Chargers game where he yeah. read quickly a couple of times. He came forward. He tackled. You know it, it's it's not for the meek. It's not for the meek down there inside. And, and you know he showed the ability to do it. Does he want to do it full time? Probably not. But what he does is I think he gives you a little bit better coverage aspect than what Bell gives you. Bell might be a more physical player, but McQuamu gives you a little bit more coverage, and you have to determine which one you want. Do you want the physicality at the point of attack, or do you want the coverability and potential physicality? You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order that's petmeds.com and promo code podcast okay before we jump into this twitter mailbag 
and and talk about all the things that are stressing our listeners out. Uh, I need to give you the spot, the location for you to get a stress-free night out with wallet-friendly drinks and eats. And that, of course, is Boomer Jacks. We are so excited to be partnering with them here. Uh, there's live music, all the games up there on the television screens. Anything you want, you will be able to find it at Boomer Jacks. It is the perfect spot for you and the family to go get a, a nice, relaxing night out. You deserve it. Treat yourself. It is a stressful time for a lot of reasons, for a lot of people. And Boomer Jacks is there make you happy and you deserve to be happy wall-to-wall tvs live music and more everybody's going to be happy when you go to boomer jacks great food great drinks great environment 17 dfw location so there's one near you find yours at boomerjacks.com all right brian it is now time for our listener mailbag that we solicit questions for every week on twitter uh we'll kick things off first with a question from stacy she says I have a lot of respect for Britt Brown and the training staff, but Dak potentially returning in four weeks makes me nervous. I'm having flashbacks of Romo returning too early and getting hurt after one game in 2015. Do you think that's realistic? The collarbone is a little different, I feel like, than than this particular fracture in the thumb, and the collarbone is, uh, I believe it's the, forget just sports, I think that's the most commonly broken bone in the body is the collarbone. Um, And so little bit different of a circumstance there for me um I, I don't think they would bring Dak back any sooner than he's ready to play because I don't think they want a a you know that that's a big investment I don't think Jerry's looking to, to to mess with his money mess with his investment there so I think if he's back in four weeks it's because he's genuinely ready at four weeks yeah, Stacy, she's a great Twitter follower and stuff like that. She I appreciate is. her. She's got some really good takes on yeah. these uh, these Cowboys. And uh, appreciate your question there, ma'am. Uh, the, the, the thing I think that with Dak, and I said it earlier, it's going to be about flexibility in the thumb and grip strength. And if he has neither of those, they're not going to put him out there until he actually can do it. You know, it, when he, he you can't put him out there – and him not be able to hold the football. Right. You know, he's got to be able to throw the ball. He's got to be able to throw it. There might be a little discomfort early in this thing, but he's got to find a way to have the flexibility and then also that grip strength. If he's got one of those and not the other, not playing. Got both of them, you go play football. And it's not until then. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's going to be the determining factor in this thing. It's not going to be number of days or anything like that. It is going to be – the, the the surgery's healed, the bone's back together, uh, he can, has flexibility, and he's got the grip strength to hold the ball and throw it. How important, or, or how much of this time away, how much of this rehab time would you want him spending in the classroom? Like, yeah, okay, get, you, get, get yourself right physically, but we got to start figuring out what you're seeing on the field and why it's regressing. Yeah, that's that. I, man, that's the biggest issue I think he's having right now. And I, I mentioned, you know, on Twitter, you know, people are asking me, and I think he misses John Kitten. I really do. Yeah. And Doug Nussmeyer, I'm sorry, you know, I mean, there was a real connect between Dak and John Kitten. And John Kitten understood Dak. And he helped him with his flaws and the, the, the issues that he had. And he was teaching him about reading and just, you know, letting it rip and all those things that John Kitna, you know, was you know, known for. And so, I, I yeah, 
There's a side of me I love that. I, I really did believe, and you know, we're very early, in, you know, week one. Sure. But I, I really believed that Dak was going to be able to carry this thing. I really, really, in my heart, believe that. And you know, and I, I, there's side of me that, like, you know, I'm, you saw some of the same issues that you saw towards, you know, in the last season. Yep. You know, did he see everything correctly? Why is he making that throw? Well, wait a minute. Hey, that deep crosser, Noah Brown's open there. Why? Whoa! Why are you throwing to the flat? You know, why don't you? You know, and it, that, that those are the things that bother me. And I don't know if that's ever going to be right. I just don't know. And maybe it's going to take another staff. I'm not trying to fire guys, but I just I just worry about what he sees. And I, I think there were guys like John Kitna that helped him with what he saw. And I think that's I think that's a big factor in what uh, maybe some of the, the maybe the biggest deficiency in his game we talk about accuracy but how about just seeing the field that might be his biggest deficiency I, and there. I don't know about you I, I know that you've always felt like he doesn't see the field as well as as you know like like I think I've always thought he's I don't and he throws the yeah. ball to spots he, he's got no business I mean he, he didn't see but, but he didn't don't, see Winfield standing there but he don't didn't you see, feel like you know, Latin, yeah even if you've had that as a criticism don't you feel like it has gotten worse like it's odd it does feel like a regression even if regardless of where somebody stood on his ability to read the field two years ago shouldn't everybody agree the last you know 12 games he's played or whatever it's not it's gotten worse than it's been it's almost like he's forcing things it's like I've got to make a play I've got to you know and I and I don't think that's necessarily the best thing I I, you know you got to live to fight another day sometimes you know that he 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 can make some hero plays he can make hero plays. I just feel like though there's there's decisions that are made during a game for him and throws where you go, don't do that. Don't don't <laughs> yeah. throw that. And has it gotten worse? I don't think it's gotten worse. I just think it hasn't been corrected. That's that's where I stand on that. Next question here from Gabriel Salazar. Is it too early to start team tank? Brian, uh, I don't know about you. I, I, well, I do know about you. I know you've been focused on watching NFL tape. Uh, I will admit to already just getting a peek at uh, Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I was watching Jordan Addison from USC the other night. Got some Josh. Couple good players, man. Got, got some Josh <laughs> Downs in from North Carolina. I'm watching receivers already. Yeah. Uh, but you know, is is it full on team tank time? No, I, I I think if you if you get through five weeks and you're looking at one and four, well now now it might be time to time well, to start looking. Yeah, let's see what happens with this division. You know, the Commanders got a win against Jacksonville. Giants got a gutty win against Tennessee. I didn't expect them to go to Tennessee and get a win there, but they ran the football. Man, they're believing in Brian uh, Dyball, the coach. I mean, he went for it. He went for the win. That's the kind of things you got to. That's a gutsy, and it, he pulled it off. Good unlike unlike uh, Steve Sarkeesian, of course, who decided nah. to kick it three times on fourth and short in the red zone, laid up yeah. at uh, Augusta. Thank you for that, uh, Steve. Every, that everybody loss. knows that, that Bobby's a Texas appreciate, alum. Appreciate, so. appreciate that shot. Uh, appreciate uh, that, that collapse yeah. against Alabama. My son's, my son's down there at Texas, too. He was disappointed. Game they should have well. won. Should have won. Should have won. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think we're – you know, and you got to look at the division. You know, commanders, giants – Eagles. I'll tell you this. Everybody's talking about how great the Philadelphia defense was. Lions put 35 points up on them, and Swift, the running back there, was big in that game. Yeah, the Lions football. ran for almost 200 yards on them. It, yeah, it was, it was there you lot. go. I mean, to me, 
I, I am not, I am not in my, let me just be honest here. My watching of college tape starts on December 1st and it, it always has. It always has. There's, I know we joke about it after the game. There must have been a hundred tweets about when we're starting the draft show, <laughs> you know, and I, I appreciate everybody loving the draft show as much as they do, but I, I'm, I'm going to start watching this tape on, on December 1st until I see what this division, you know, if, if somebody goes and runs away and hides and Dallas has got no shot at it, then, uh, you know, I'll think about doing other things. But right now I'm focused on trying to get this Cowboys right. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and promise you guys on Brian's behalf, if it's 0-8 going into the bye week, Brian will start during the bye week. I will. I mean, if it's over halfway through and I get a shot to, you know, and, and you know, at that point you're probably looking at some pretty high picks. So you better better know more than 190 players, right, Bobby? Yeah, exactly. And so here's uh, – that. that's kind of a follow-up. In addition, not necessarily is it time to start Team Tank. More let's project out in the future. This question uh, from Juicy J. Uh, hmm. He's asking the question – we're sure it's a he. It is a he. I'm 100% okay. sure. Uh, okay. If this season ends in complete disaster, is it time to draft a quarterback? Wow. Good question. Because your your quarterback, this is how I viewed the quarterback. This year, I was about giving the evaluation. I hate the word evaluation when you've got guys that have been here four and five years or six years and you know, whatever. Um I my thought is like I'm going to see what Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore can do with Dak. I know they're going to lose him for some games now, but they've got to overcome. They've got to find a way. You got to find a way to be competitive. You got to find a way to coach the guys up. You have, you know, we saw it with Dan Quinn last year in the defense and how much better they got. Is it a perfect situation for those offensive coaches? No, it's not. You know, but we've also seen things that have been disturbing with Dak, and I was all about. The, you know, let Kellen and Mike McCarthy figure things out this year. If it didn't work, then you move on. Then 2023 becomes the year where I evaluate Dak. And I say, you know, and I mean, I use the word evaluate again, but I I feel that would be, that would be year eight. You know, maybe you're to the point where after this season, if it's a complete disaster and Dak comes back and you don't have success, that you have to look at that situation at quarterback. Because if that's the case, if it's complete disaster and you're in the top three picking or top four or five, whatever, and you have the ability to grab a quarterback and you can move on from a guy that for eight years hasn't done what you know you thought he would do or what he was what you planned on him to do, then you owe it to yourself to to look at those quarterbacks pretty strong. I am uh there there's no bigger Dak Prescott proponent than myself. If Dak Prescott plays this twenty twenty two season like he did Week one, week one, you, yeah. need a, you need a new quarterback. You got to move on. You, yeah. you just need a new quarterback if he looks like that all season. Uh, but, but that's what I'm saying. You know, when he comes back, it, it's not evaluation. I mean, I, I'm the guy that on 105.3 and here that talked about. I had faith in Dak. I still have faith in Dak. I think Dak. I think Dak need. I, I was looking forward to this game against Cincinnati with Dak bouncing back, and I was thinking, okay. Bad day at the office. He's going to bounce back. They're going to figure some things out, and things will be fine. You know, we've seen Dak have a bad game. Not not like this game, but he had, a, you know, we've seen him play poorly at times and then bounce back and rip off like three or four or five games in a row where he plays pretty well. So uh, he's not going to have that opportunity. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully 
Cooper Rush in this defense and the kicking game can keep them in this division until he gets back. And then it becomes, okay, is he the reason why they're going forward into the playoffs or is he the detriment that's keeping them from the playoffs? And that's where that's where you're going to have to make your decision going forward into 2023. Question here from Mike. In your own experience and in your conversations with other local reporters who cover the team, has there ever been a lower level of trust between those reporters and the front office than there is right now? Seems reporters have been misled often over the past few seasons. Uh, I can speak for myself. Yeah, go uh, ahead. I, I just, uh, you know, I kind of referenced earlier. I just don't trust anything they tell us about injuries anymore, publicly or honestly off the record, even in some instances. I just don't trust it. Um, and that's just because Mike McCarthy likes to to play misdirection. Um, you know, I again, I, keep, I will go back to it. They lied to us about who was starting at left tackle in the third preseason game. They treat certain things like state secrets that, that don't generally matter. They, they're, they're pulling jersey numbers and names off of players in blue-white scrimmages where there's already tight shots. It's just, it's a little over the top. So, yeah, they're clearly big about concealment, the the Mike McCarthy uh, regime is. And so, personally, yeah, you're, you're going to have to filter through a lot of BS, I think, whenever they start talking about anything. I worked in that building for 14 years, and there's relationships with guys that I absolutely trust. But there's, there's times where I know that they're, you know, where they, they, they can't tell me. And, and my guys are really good about if they can't tell me, they just don't tell me. They just say, I'm sorry, Brian, I can't, I can't talk about that. That's somebody else's area. Yep. And I respect that. But I think there is a, I think there is a, a, a little bit of a, a misdirection like you talked about. You know, you're out there every single day in the building. I don't live in that building anymore. I mean, I, I work in the building, you know, every morning just for 45 minutes. But what you have to deal with on a daily basis, the benefit you have to go in the locker room and get the truth from the players, I think is huge because you're not always going to get this, the truth from. Now, I'll say this about Jerry. You asked Jerry a good question. I think Jerry, I think Jerry has a hard time lying. I think yes. Jerry was really, the other night, I think Jerry was really anxious to tell you what was wrong with Dak Prescott's thumb. You know, yeah, no, no, nobody even got the question out. He just told us. He, he, he just told. He just told you. I mean, so Jerry, Jerry, I think, appreciates the media. I think he appreciates the job because he knows he's a billionaire because guys like yourself and others that have, you know, that talk about his team every single day and is still one of the most popular franchises in, in the world. So he knows the job the media has to do. But there's others in the organization that I think are not as forthcoming with the information that they need to have. That does it for us here on the Love of the Star this week. Or actually not this week, just for today. we got one more episode coming this week. It'll be very Bengals intensive. Probably going to find a, uh, a nice Bengals guest to talk to. We'll also uh, discuss some of the tape. Really brutal game. Uh, for the Bengals that they're coming off of. Joe Burrow with five turnovers in that game. One, I'll give you a little preview, one of my favorite research notes, uh, Brian. Last five games where Burrow has had uh, multiple turnovers. The following week, he is 4-1 and one with a 103 passer rating and 70% completion. So he tends to step up and, and take out his anger on the team the following week. So the Cowboys got to be ready, but... Uh, we'll be prepared to talk about it. I know Brian's going to be excited. We're, we're playing the, uh, you know, LSU 
uh, Midwest or whatever you want to call it there. Yeah, you got three Tigers on that offense. Right, <laughs> it, 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 right yeah, tackle. Yeah. Got the right tackle quarterback and the wide receiver. We're going to see some old friends there, uh, especially with Lyle Collins. Uh, but we will be talking to you guys again on Friday. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.